On today's show, we'll reverse engineer a lifetime of saving for retirement. It's called decumulation. And when the time comes, you have to make smart decisions. Details just ahead. It's all about your retirement. You're going to want to have an additional check to come in to maintain your lifestyle. For the retirement referees, Steve Caruso knows all the plays of the game. One thing we know for sure is that life isn't static. Retirement doesn't have to be complicated. Things are going to happen to you over the course of your retirement. Whatever the future, planning is key. The easiest way to make decisions from strength is to have money to fall back on. Welcome in to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome, everybody, to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. It's the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka, and Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He is a fiduciary with over two decades of experience, president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Eastern Seaboard. You can also check out his website, laurelws.com. Good Sunday evening, Steve. How are you today? Good evening to you as well, Teresa. I am doing great. That's super to hear. Super to hear. So lots going on. You might be worried about, uh, you know, your finances. So you've come to the right place to uh, do talk about retirement and what you could do to have a secure and happy retirement. And, you know, talked about decumulation. Well, it's more than just spending those hard-earned retirement dollars. We need to set up lifetime income and pay attention to tax ramifications, make sure health care is covered. And what about legacy planning? Oh, and don't forget to have fun. We've got to have fun, <laughs> of course. So there are some things to consider when planning for decumulation. Steve, I'll let you... Take it away. Yeah. No, so yeah, definitely want to plan on having fun. Yes. And so we talk a lot on this show about a well-defined goal. And what a well-defined goal is, is really thinking about, okay, when I've had time off from work, what, what are the things that I like to do? What are, what are the things that I find fun? Because um, you're going to want to definitely do more of that, and then you can, you can prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And very first chapter of my book, I talk about how we enter retirement and the importance of the mental shift that goes on. Now we can enter retirement one of three ways. Either we enter retirement on our own terms, meaning we decide it's time to stop working. Um, Someone else tells us it's time to retire, meaning we lose our job, we get laid off uh, and aren't able to find another job. Or God tells us it's time to stop working where we physically can't do it anymore. And so how you enter retirement can affect your whole mentality in retirement, especially if, like, say you lost your job and you're you're spending time being bitter and you're not doing things to enjoy uh, your life. So you want to, you, whatever, however you enter retirement, you want to approach it with the most positive attitude as possible. And then you're, so it's not just um, the attitude that's important. It's also switching from a, a saving mode to a spending mode. Now, if you're retiring on your own terms, you might have already set up or started to allocate uh, things, you know, to be more conservative or more income producing uh, right before, you know, in the year or two before you retired. However, if you're entering retirement one of the other two ways, meaning all of a sudden you become disabled or, um, or you lose your job, you need to you need to kind of start to 
position yourself as a retiree, which you may not have done yet. Now, the good news is, is the stock market is at all time highs. So you're not, you weren't really hurt, meaning you didn't lose the the start date lottery, so to speak, because you're not, it's not a market like 2008 or even March of last year. So the market is really good right now. So if, if you haven't reallocated and you, you find yourself suddenly in a position where you have to retire, then, you know, you're, you're you're lucky in the sense that you can do that without um without minimal with minimal loss if any on on your portfolio and so i had this just last week um a client who worked for the federal government for 30 plus years uh she was planning originally to retire in about three years and then she got an injury at work and she just can't do her job anymore and so she decided to take to retire early. And when we ran the numbers, um, she was still able to do that and live the lifestyle that she wanted to live. Because even though right now her portfolio is too growth oriented, it's because the, the growth piece is doing so well, there's still ample time to shift shift money towards income and, and get her set up uh, for retirement and decumulation. So <clears throat> now this is a, the second thing I want to highlight is budgeting. And this is something that a lot of financial advisors just kind of give lip service to. And they say, oh, yeah, it's important to keep a budget. Well, you want to work with someone who's got tools that help you budget. Because in retirement, spending is critical. Your asset allocation needs to be based off of your, the timing of when you're going to spend the money. And so it's really important to know what your lifestyle is costing you. And not just one of these questionnaires or spreadsheets of, I, ha- I pay this much in cable, this much for water, this much for um, for telephone. You really need to actually look at the actual dollars being spent. So you want to work with someone who's using an aggregator tool to, to aggregate all of your credit cards, all of your bank accounts to show, hey, you made this much in deposits and this much went out the door. And if we look at it over a 12-month period, it looks like you've been pretty consistently spending, you know, say $6,000 a month. That's a much more accurate way to plan than to just say, here's my fixed bills. What happens when you plan with just the fixed bills is you almost always underestimate your expenses because there are times when your grandkids come over and you you, you take them to Universal Studios or there there's times where um, you know, you go out to eat with a friend who comes into town or, and you're not, you're not budgeting for that. Uh, if you're just looking at your fixed expenses, but if you're tracking your expenses, you're incorporating in all those little extra expenses that happen throughout the year. And you're getting a much more realistic number as to, um, what you're actually spending. And then once you know the spending figure, then it's about, do I have enough income to match the spending. And if you don't, then you need to reallocate part of your portfolio to produce more income. And you want to always have at least enough guaranteed income coming in, whether it's pension, social security, or through an investment like an annuity. You want to have enough guaranteed income to meet the expenses based on your current lifestyle. So no one wants to retire and live a worse lifestyle than they're living now. So you want to always make sure that you have enough to maintain your current lifestyle. And 
the way we do that is is something called the bucket approach, and we talk about that a lot on the show. And so you're you're it's a time segmentation of your assets. So the money that you're going to spend in the next three years, we want that to be in something safe. Now that doesn't necessarily have to be in a bank account at a tenth of a percent. It could be in something like a stable value fund in your four hundred one k, which is getting you maybe one or two percent. Um, but it, the rule of the liquid bucket is it's got to be safe and it's got to be liquid, meaning you there can't be penalties to access it. It's got to be money that you can get to if you needed it. If you have an income shortfall, then you need the second bucket, which is an income bucket. The income bucket is designed to produce whatever that shortfall is in today's dollars. So if you had a thousand dollar a month shortfall in today's dollars, you want to find the investment that's going to produce you that income um, for the fewest amount of dollars. And then anything that's left over can be invested for growth. Now, I've just thrown a whole lot of information at you, but what we do every week for our listeners is we offer a free comprehensive financial plan, retirement distribution plan for the first 15 callers in each week. So we can, we're, we'll, we're willing to do this for you. We'll put everything together. We'll give you a clear roadmap of what your money is going to do in retirement and what kind of lifestyle your assets and income can support. And that number to call, Steve, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. This is for retirees and pre-retirees. It's common sense planning and straight talk instead of financial double talk and a sales pitch. And folks, the first step is to sit down and get that financial roadmap put together. And Steve, he's going to translate the complex financial world into something that just makes sense. It's an excellent chance for you to get a true, practical financial review. Again, that number to call, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995, callers to call in. Look at that comprehensive financial review. It's going to show you where you are now. But most importantly, the review will show you a roadmap to get you where you need to be. And in short, you've got nothing to lose. Call right now, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. What's coming up next, Steve? When we come back, we'll highlight some mistakes to avoid in planning for retirement. Welcome back to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. That's a great title, and we haven't really talked about it too much, but there is no cookie-cutter approach when it comes to retirement, is there, Steve? No, absolutely not. The, you know, Every person is unique, and everyone's retirement is going to look different because everyone spends differently. Yep. Yep. So yeah, excellent title because, because it's true. And you can check out Steve's website. It's laurelws.com. And just want to mention as well, and most importantly, he is a fiduciary with over two decades of experience. Talk about that from time to time. Fiduciary means they've got your best interests in mind. They're not out there pushing a product getting a quota, listening to someone else, something that somebody else has to say. They're listening to you and what your concerns and hopes are for the future. Yep. And we're talking about planning for that future retirement planning. It can be an exciting time as you could see the life you've worked so hard to create begin to come into existence. 
you see that there. Um, but it could also um, be riddled with anxiety about unforeseen pitfalls or insufficient preparations, and we definitely don't want that. You know, and not thinking ahead when it comes to inflation is a uh, top of the list. Yeah, so this is a this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I, I've I've said several times before I'm kind of an inflation nerd, but I'll give a real quick example, and it's one that I use in my book. Right, so um, if you just think about the things that you buy, right? It, for example, when I first started. Uh, in in the 90s doing financial planning you used to be able to buy a pizza and i was in new york city for eight dollars now if i was to buy that same pizza in new york city it's 24 dollars, and it tastes no different than the eight dollar pizza did but it's gone up three times threefold wow. now what happens is in retirement if you live a 25 years in retirement and we probably all know someone in their late 80s or early 90s, right? Um, and you've probably seen someone like this. What happens is they set an expectation for that $24 pizza that is, it's going to be, it, it's going to be fantastic because they're spending all this money on a pizza. But really it's the same crappy $8 pizza. <laughs> it's just gone up in price. Mm -hmm. And what happens is it leads to them being angry and, 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 you know, complaining about the, you know, the quality and all this other stuff, because it's not because the, the pizza is any worse than it was 20 years ago. It's just, it's costing them a much more, it's much bigger piece of their budget. So they're getting frustrated when it's not, it, they set a more, they set a higher expectation for it. And so that's kind of a, a, a an anecdotal way to look at inflation. But if you look at inflation, since World War II, it's averaged 3.42% a year. Now, you would think as a retiree, and I, I get this all the time, people will say that, well, I, I'm not going to be commuting. I'm, you know, I'm not going to spend as much. Um, my, you know, and I'm not going to, my, my costs aren't going to go up as much. Well, that's not true at all, because what you will be doing as a retiree is consuming more healthcare. So give you a real quick example of the difference between overall inflation and healthcare inflation. So I don't know if there's any federal employees out there listening, but if you are a federal employee, for example, over the last 10 years, your pension has, got, if you were in the, uh, the FERS system, your pension has averaged about a 1.47% cost of living adjustment. Your healthcare premium, if you have FEHB, which is the, the federal employee health benefit, has averaged 3.99%. So now as you get older, you're consuming more healthcare, whether it be paying insurance premiums or co-pays or medicines. And so your inflation actually goes up faster than the general public. So if you're not using at least the long-term historical average of inflation in your plan, then you're, you're really missing an opportunity because, um, a lot of financial planners will will plan on inflation at a nominal rate of, or one or two percent, and I think that leaves you really underprotected. It's better to plan for a risk and have it not occur than to not plan for the risk. Because if you plan for a risk and it doesn't occur, all that means is that you have more money. <laughs> now, if you don't plan for a risk, now you're worrying about 
running out of money and not being able to buy the same amount of things and having to live on a fixed budget and all, all of the things that you're trying to avoid when you retire. Speaking of maybe pulling out of the market, retiring too early is another factor. Yeah. So this is one that we see a lot right now because of the pandemic. Um, you know, people who are on the fence about retirement are saying, you know what, maybe I don't want to go back to work. Um, and so, you know, I, I have a client who's a school nurse and she retired uh, before this coming school year about five years earlier than what she she was planning on. Now, in her situation, thankfully, she has enough to be able to do that because um, we did proper planning and she knew when, she, you know, she said, hey, look, I want to walk away. Can I do it? And um, financially, she could. But she she went from being a school nurse that, you know, had to put Band-Aids on a, you know, a third grader once in a blue moon to being a healthcare administrator, essentially, and having to keep track of who, you know, who's been tested for COVID, who who's experiencing symptoms, who's who's got their vaccination. And she wanted no part of that anymore. And that's not what she signed up for. And so um, she wanted to walk away and she did. And so and a lot of people are in maybe not that exact situation, but are in similar situations. And they, you know, if you have a plan and you you can financially do it, it's nice to know that because if you if you could retire early, it's nice to know that you can and you can walk away and you can make better decisions. Um, I ran a plan last night for someone who was originally planning to retire in two years. And he said, you know what, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it two more years. Uh, you know, if I can get through to tax day, I'll be happy. And so what we did was we reran his plan and we said, all right, look, this is, these are the adjustments that will hap- have to happen if you want to retire at, you know, a year sooner. And, um, you know, he, he walked away with a lot of peace of mind and that's what, that's the whole benefit of having a plan. And that's something we do for all of our clients is we give you that roadmap and we show you, all right, here's where you're at now. And here's, if you walked away tomorrow, here's, here's what that would look like. And if, if you stay towards you to, till your target retirement date, here's what it will look like. And here's maybe the lifestyle you can live then. And so knowing gives you the most important thing of all, which is peace of mind. Yep. And today is your opportunity to build the tomorrow that you want, folks. Give Steve a call right now, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. There is no cost or obligation to get a better handle on your financial situation to find out what your investments are really costing you because of high fees or commissions with future tax implications will be and how much income you can securely generate from that. Once you do move into retirement, pick up the phone and call Steve. 800-705-9995-800-705-9995. What's coming up in our third segment? When we come back, we'll highlight some startling statistics about retirement. At least one will surprise you. Greater Orlando, thanks for spending some of your Sunday evening with us. You are tuned to Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve's the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist, and he is president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the eastern seaboard. You know, it is hard to know how much money we're going to be needing in retirement. And and that's why a solid retirement and income plan is necessary 
for a successful retirement. Even then there's a lot of what ifs that can happen. So we're going to look into some of those more surprising statistics right now. Um, Number one, one in three 65-year-olds today will live past 90, and one in seven will live past 95. Wow. Yeah, no, and I mean, anecdotally, I don't know if uh, if you saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ed Asner passed away at 91. Right, And right. so, you know, I don't, you know, I obviously don't know Ed Asner personally, but he, he never struck me as a, a picture of fitness and health, um, and he made it to 91 years old. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just kind of anecdotally, and I, we use on the, on the show all the time, um, Keith Richards, who is uh, 78 years old this year. So, you know, that's... Um, you know, it's it's very likely that you're going to live well into your 80s, and there is a good chance of making it to 90. So the average life expectancy is currently at 78.6. And so people think, oh, well, you know, that's that's how long I'm expected to live. No, that's not because you're already if you're already at 62, then your life expectancy is much higher. So if you reach social security age and you're healthy as a female, you can expect to live to 89. And as a male, you can expect to live to 87. So sometimes we get thrown off by that kind of low ball estimate of 78.6, but that also takes into account all the young people who pass away from things like suicide and drug overdoses and car accidents. Um, But, you know, one in three people who are 65 today are going to live to 90. And the majority of those people are going to live, you know, into their late seventies and in, and well into their eighties. So, you know, you want to definitely plan on a longer life expectancy. A good baseline is 90 years old. Um, Some people, you know, want to be extra cautious and plan to live to 95. Uh, You know, Typically, I would say 90 is a is a good for planning purposes is kind of a good life expectancy to assume. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, there's more and more. I'm going to say you see the birthdays on TV anymore. There's a lot of even the 100th birthdays more and more. You see the TV crews go to the nursing home. So you just you don't know. And it's better to be prepared than not be prepared. Also, many people tend to assume living expenses go down in retirement. But this isn't always the case, is it? No, not at all. Uh a lot of times your life, your, your living expenses will actually go up in retirement because for depending on how much of a workaholic you were, you might've been working 40 to 60 hours a week. And while you're working, you're, you're typically not spending money. Yeah, sure. You're going to lunch maybe sometimes, but um, you're, you know, when you're sitting at home, especially if you're a kind of a type A personality where you kind of always need to keep busy you're going to end up spending a lot of times more money in retirement because you're you're going to be doing stuff to keep yourself occupied. And so for what studies have shown is about one third of people spend more in retirement than they were than they spent pre-retirement. And actually, the majority of people have a spending surge the first year of retirement. And that's uh, a couple of reasons. Number one is a lot of times people will downsize and you would say, well, downsizing, that doesn't, why would that increase my spending? Because you're usually, say you lived in your house for 25 years, you're usually doing a couple little cosmetic things to get it ready to show. 
in addition to maybe if you were a hoarder, maybe trying to box up some stuff and get it thrown out or uh, get it at least hidden for, for open houses. Right. And, uh, and so you're, you're paying for that, say storage and then the moving. And then when you get into the new place, you're paying to, there are going to be new pieces of furniture and things like that, that you're going to want to buy and little touch-ups that you're going to want to do in the new place. So that's one of the reasons why. Um, this last point, healthcare costs on the rise. Yeah. So remember we started off by saying people are going to live to 90, right? So when you hear this number that, you know, the, that over the course of a retirement, you may need approximately $300,000 on healthcare. Well, if you were to just add up your health insurance premiums, a lot of times over a 25 year retirement, you're pretty close to 300,000 already. Um, just from what you're paying in premiums on your health insurance. Then if you factor in co-pays, um, medicines and, you know, stuff that happens at the end of your life in terms of additional bills for, um, you know, maybe hospital stays or, um, you know, hitting your, hitting, you know, the, the policy deductible every single year. Um, that's, it's, it's reasonable to assume that. Now that study doesn't factor in long-term care and that's something that you also need to plan for because if you do need home health aids or, you know, just help, help, uh, getting out of a chair or, um, help dressing or things of that nature at the end of your life, that, that can be very expensive, any kind of custodial care. And that's not going to be covered by traditional health insurance. So, um, and that's not factored into that 300,000, that 300,000 is just, um, you know, assuming like a 25 year life expectancy and, and then having, having your health premiums and co-pays and deductibles along the way. And so that's something that we, you know, we look at with all of our clients and I think we have about five spots left. We put that in our plan. We're going to show you uh, a realistic assumption of what you're actually going to be spending in retirement. So we're going to show you, Hey, look, when you're in your eighties, you're going to see a much bigger number in terms of dollars than what you're, you're seeing at 65 on the expense column. And so you'll have a really good sense of that. And again, the main, the main thing we're trying to do here is give you peace of mind. And like I said, we have five spots left. And that first step is to sit down with a financial advisor. Something we're talking about resonates with you, whether it's tax planning, Social Security, health care, or just that overall big picture. Maybe you want to get a second opinion. Call Steve right now, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995, to make sure your plan is really aligned with your goals and take the stress out of planning for your future. Again, that number, it's 800-705-9995, 800 705 uh, this next segment is always a fun one. What's come up, Steve? Well, we've got some great questions from our listeners when we come right back. And welcome back to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve's the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He's also a fiduciary with over two decades of experience, president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Easter Seaboard. And you can check out his website, laurelws.com. 
time now for listener questions. Lots of good ones this week. First up is Kenny in St. Cloud. He says, I just retired and have to decide if I should leave my money in my 401k with my previous employer or move it to an IRA. I know that the IRA gives me more investment options, but do I really need them? I also need to decide if I should place the place it in the place the funds rather in a target retirement fund or allow my portfolio to be actively managed. Wow, lot to unpack there, Kenny. Well, first off, congratulations on your retirement. And so let's let's start with the last question first. Um, when you said you need to decide whether to place your funds in a target date or allow allow them to be actively managed. My answer would be C, none of the above. Um, so if you've listened to this show, you know I hate target date funds. Target date funds are cookie cutter portfolios that go more into bonds as you get closer to your target date, meaning usually your retirement date. So now if you were in, say, a 2020 fund or a 2025 fund, um, by the time you get to 2025, you're going to be pretty much all in bonds. And um, that's not the right place to be. It's much smarter to look at your spending, create a well-defined goal, and design an allocation based on that, on the, the timing of your spending and, and what you want, you know, when you're going to want your money. And so when you're going to actually use your money. Now, we talked earlier about the buckets in the show. And so you have the liquid bucket, which we talked about money that's going to be spent in the first three years. Um, and then the income bucket, which is producing your shortfall, anything else can be invested for growth because that's theoretically money that you're not going to be touching in the next three years. Um, if you're a little bit more conservative, you might go, you know, five or six years in, in, into the, the liquid bucket, depending on your, your comfort with risk. So if you have a, if you have this extra money, uh, that's in addition to what you need for the liquid and the income bucket, that's the money that's going to be invested for growth. That's where you could consider an actively managed portfolio. I'm not a big fan of actively managed portfolios. Reason being is 78% of managers don't beat the index. And most managers are going to be charging you anywhere from a half of a percent to some charge more than 2%. So Let's just say you have a million dollar portfolio and you're paying 2%. Well, that's $20,000 a year. So that manager, not only are they going to lose to the index 78 times out of 100, they're also giving the index a 2% head start because your typical index fund, like a Vanguard total stock market index, is going to charge you three one hundredths of a percent in expenses. So by comparison, you're talking on a million dollar portfolio, $300 in expenses as opposed to $20,000 in expenses. So that's a pretty significant head start that you get by investing in the index fund. And I'll take my chances that the index is going to beat the manager more times than not. So um, not a big fan of actively managed, but um, there is a there can be a place for it in a portfolio, but I definitely wouldn't do that with your entire portfolio. All right. All right. So thank you, Kenny. Next up is Daniel and Kissimmee. He says, call me a nerd, but I've always had fun researching and then buying and selling stocks as a hobby. 
However, my wife isn't so thrilled about me continuing this hobby as we get into retirement, which is only a couple of years away now. Any advice on a way for us to find some middle ground here and not have a big fight? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's important. Um, and it's great that you take an interest in in your your investing. Uh, but you want to you want to have core holdings in your with your serious money, your retirement money, the money you're going to live on. You want to be in in core holdings like an index fund. You don't want to be trying to pick or time the market or trade in and out of stocks. Now, that being said, maybe there's a piece of your portfolio that you can kind of that you're willing to take a little bit more risk with, and kind of like a um, kind of like funny money, so to speak. Uh, so if you were going to take, uh, and depending on the size of your portfolio, but if you were taking maybe three to 5% of your overall assets um, and you had something like a, a Charles Schwab account or a, a Robin Hood account or whatever it is, wherever it is that you're doing, you're picking, uh, you're picking stocks and going in and out with, you find, a, you find an amount that you and your wife are comfortable kind of gambling with. And that's the part that you, you pick stocks in and you don't exceed that amount. You keep your core holdings uh, in things that are, are, you know, balanced and diversified. And I wouldn't take more than, you know, I wouldn't take risk like that with more than three to 5% of a portfolio typically. Um, but great question, Daniel. And that's something that we, we see a lot actually. All right. Next up is Jennifer in Windermere. She says, what, if any, are the risks associated with a Roth IRA? Uh, good question. I mean, the, the negative of a Roth IRA is that if you don't hold it long enough, you're not really getting the tax benefits, right? So the main benefit of the Roth IRA is that the growth that you get is tax-free. So you want your high growth assets to be in the Roth IRA. And um, if you were to take it out before five years, you'd, you could be penalized. Um, so there are some some risks there. So you don't want to money that goes into the Roth. You want to ideally keep, be able to keep it there for at least five years. And you want to, um, have it invested for growth. So that would be, um, that'd be kind of the only real risks associated with the Roth IRA. And obviously the investments that you pick are going to have investment risks, uh, dependent on the investment. Okay. In Georgia, in Winter Park, my partner of 25 years passed away three years ago. I'm the sole beneficiary of his Roth IRA. The IRA was established 12 years before his death. I heard that the IRS has specific rules and time limits on distribution of a non-spouse inherited Roth IRA. We were not legally married, and I have not taken anything out of that Roth IRA. What are my options and what are my limitations? Well, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, Georgia. So I would always say that on this show, we're not going to give tax advice. So you'd always want to definitely check with your, your own um, tax preparer. But you should have theoretically been taking out depending on, um, well, there's a couple different things that, that go into that, that we don't, we don't really have the answer to there. So, I mean, depending on his age at the time he passed, um, you would, if you were stretching out distributions, um, 
well, no, you said you're not ma- You weren't legally married. So yeah, you, you were supposed to um, most likely liquidate that. So this is something that you definitely want to speak to an accountant on because he passed away 12 years ago and you've never taken a distribution. Um, there, there's definitely going to be, there's going to definitely be some issues there um, that you're going to want to unpack with an accountant. Yeah. And then and that's why you stressed it. Go to an accountant or go to someone that's knowledgeable when it comes to different, you know, different factors. A, a first step is to, of course, sit down with a financial advisor to to find out about all of this and get a plan in place if you don't have one already. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we still have, I think, two spots left and we'll do that uh, absolutely free. And that number to get in touch with Steve and get a spot on his calendar. They are filling up fast. Just a couple spots left. It's 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. And this is for retirees and pre-retirees. And you just need to sit down and get that financial roadmap put together. Steve will translate the complex financial world into something that makes sense. And it's going to show you where you are now. But most importantly, it's going to show you where you need to be got nothing to lose. It's free. Call now. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. This hour flew by, Steve. And I'm looking forward to next week. Lots of great questions. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of great topics coming up. Yeah, we will. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure. And thank you, Orlando, for making us part of your Sunday evening. And we'll see you right back here next weekend for another edition of The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Oh,